This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. Had some good discussion here as hopefully we're moving closer to the start of football as mini camps open Friday here in Lincoln. Fall camp scheduled still for August 7th. Now it's time to take questions in the mailbag as we got a lot of questions here this week, guys. Um, and the first one on that schedule, of the Big Ten, what are the odds of football season and when will this Big Ten schedule come out? Um, I still believe, at least from the Power Five perspective, the odds are pretty, I'd put them better than not having one right now that there is going to be a season, I'd say 75, 80%. I, I feel like that confident that we will have some sort of a season this fall, not in the spring. And I think, Possibly late this week, but for sure next week we'll know a schedule. Well, you got to think it's got to come out pretty soon. Uh, I mean, right now. Two weeks. Yeah, we're tentatively starting in almost a month. So, I mean, it'd be nice to know who you're playing and when they're going to play, not only just from, uh, you know, logistics standpoint of organizing travel and all that stuff, but, you know, coaches got to prepare for opponents. I mean, you got to know who you're playing week one and when you're going to play them and what type of, you know. You're not going to have to worry about hotels being booked up in these towns. Exactly. So, I mean, there's just a lot of layers involved with college football that go beyond just playing the game. And so there's a lot of preparation that needs to be uh, in place. And so the sooner they can get that out, the better. And it goes far beyond just the fans wanting to know. Yeah, the coaches and the players have to just be itching to find out because (laughs) they want to start preparing. And um, and not so much the, the players, you know, preparing for whoever they're facing in, in week one right now, but it's the, you know, the support staff that need to start breaking down film and, and doing uh, those types of things and, and preparing, um, you know, things for the, the coaches to, to start to put a game plan together sooner rather than later. I don't know why this makes me laugh thinking of the sight of all their like Cincinnati prep, just like ripping it up and throwing it away and be like, sorry, Luke Fickle. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> You're not going to get the chance to get the big upset win. One advantage of opening with a conference game is Nebraska at least had a likely opponent that they'd probably spent the most time on. Well, and Purdue, I I hope Purdue would still stay the opener. I mean, it makes a lot of sense to keep that the way it is. It's a divisional game. It's always been the opener. Both teams have been preparing for one another. I think there's a real advantage to Nebraska to play Purdue out of the gates because Diaco hasn't had a full spring to kind of implement and Frost has gone against Diaco a couple of times when he was at Central Florida. So I, I like that out of the gates for Nebraska to go against a unprepared um, you know, defense of Purdue with a new defensive coordinator. Yeah. You would hope that they wouldn't need any advantage against Bob Diaco based off what we saw. But you know, who knows? <laughs> Nate will bring that picture of the sweater and Diaco. <laughs> Hopefully he wears his uh his, Bobby Bobby yeah, Diaco. The black shirt like line jacket that he wore. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. Linen pants. Um J.D. Spielman gave kind of his farewell goodbye. By the way, he used a great Husker Line photo in that Instagram post. Nate, was that one of yours? Uh, I think it was. Yes, it was. So thank you, J.D., for the uh, the billboard of Husker Online on, on, your, yeah. on your posts as you left. But um, any thoughts going to TCU? I know we've hit on that a few times over the last month. That was probably where he was going to end up going. Um, but it kind of is what it is at this point. I mean, he, he left the program – in late Feb before spring ball and you know, the odds of him coming back at that point were slim to none. I think the bigger story to me remains clearly for Nebraska to cooperate with him on these waivers. He's going to need going outside the big 10 was a big part of it. 
Yeah, so for me, it makes sense, and then it doesn't make sense. For a football standpoint, it makes sense, and like you alluded to, Nebraska needed to cooperate, and the likelihood of them saying, yeah, sure, Minnesota, take one of our most productive wide receivers of all time. We'll sign off on that. No big deal. Yeah, that wasn't going to happen. So going to TCU, at least he's out of Nebraska's hair. You know, They won't have to face him, uh, and you know, both sides can just have a clean break. What doesn't make sense to me is, you know, the whole issue of why he left Nebraska. You know, I mean, the, the reasoning of being closer to home around his family. And now he's going even further away uh, to the other side of the country uh, to play for, you know, a completely different staff that he doesn't know and all that stuff. And a head coach who's notoriously uh, very rough on his players uh, and doesn't, uh, <laughs> you know, doesn't uh, cater to players' needs very well. Uh, that just seems like a strange destination, but I guess it makes sense just from the fact that he needed a waiver. TCU was a fit that needed a wide receiver, and so you know we'll see where it goes. Yeah, none of it really <laughs> seems to fit all that well. Um, you know, and, and one narrative that I've heard, and I don't know exactly where it's coming from, or if it's or if it was completely random, but it was, well, did he leave because he couldn't get the help that he needed because of whatever mental health issues that he was dealing with in Nebraska? And, and that's completely not true. I, I mean, I know from firsthand experience. Um, that I, I think Nebraska's student athletes have more tools and, and resources. Four full time sports psychologists exactly. on staff. I mean, there's there is more than enough resources available for any student athlete, not just football players, but any student athlete at Nebraska. So, and again, that could have been just a random narrative, but um, yeah, I don't I don't think that's true whatsoever. Yeah, I looked at that statement as more him coming out publicly and then, you know, more of a case for his waiver he's going to need, yep. you know, that that type of statement. All right, question on uh, Francois and Henry Gray. Um, both left the program. Um, we won't get into all that. I mean, just didn't work out with either one of these guys here in the short time they got here. But the better question is, will Nebraska get those spots back? And it's not necessarily, Nate, that they want those spots back to get late additions now because the, the pool for late players is not great. Yeah. But, you know, you, you start to talk about it from a countback perspective. If you could get 25 and 21 and then have two countbackers, all of a sudden you have that hanging countback of 27 where you could roll it over each year and have some additional wiggle room for transfer portal and other things down the road. Yeah, it gives you a lot more flexibility down the road. And, and I think, you know, it's, that would be ideal if they were able to, to get those back. I don't know what to expect right now. There's a waiver in for Gray. If they get the waiver on Gray, then they can apply for Francois. Yeah, and and I would think that they'd probably have a better shot with Gray than Francois just because, um, you know, at least least with Henry Gray, he made it sound like he needed to get back close to home due to uh, some things that may have been going on surrounding the, the pandemic. Um, and he did transfer back or announced that he was committing to, to FIU, which is just right down the road from where he's from. So that all seemed to, to align. But, um, you know, with Francois, I'm not sure uh, if, if, you know, wh- what kind of case you could make to, to get that back. I think, you know, uh, I'm sure if Nebraska could do it over again, they may, they may not, uh, you know, have taken that that commitment or, or pushed hard to, to get that one that maybe maybe regret that a little bit can i get that hour back nate on signing oh day gosh. where i watched him at the table walking back and forth and leaving the room yeah. and gary Furman, our good friend at kane sports providing yeah. i mean think about that day the entire miami media core was at the high school there thinking he was going to commit to miami well he'd already signed a letter to nebraska yep. in the morning and then he still walked away from the table 
and win the back room for like an hour. And he, the whole family had Nebraska t-shirts on the whole time anyway. I mean, that, the whole thing, yeah, that, that alone that day was probably a red flag that we should have looked at closer. Yeah, should have known there's going to be some drama surrounding that one. All right, uh, time for two more here. Give me a newcomer of the year for you guys on either side of the ball. Um, I mean, there, I think there's about three that you could go with, and I'll start with Omar Manning for yeah, myself. I think I mean, he'd, he'd probably be our, all three of our yeah, answers for offense. Yeah. Offensive. Okay, give me another name, though, that you would say. For offense? Or Any, for, anybody. So I think on that question, I answered Jordan Riley uh, just because I think he's going to play a lot. I don't know if he'll start. We'll see what happens with him and Damian Daniels. But you see the videos they're putting out uh, for him in the weight room. And, you know, as we've talked, they don't just put random dudes on their social media account and highlight them like that unless they're doing something that is impressing the coaching staff. And so uh, he's already getting exposure in that regard. And the fact that, you know, Daniels has yet to prove that he's capable of playing the majority of a game just from a, a snap number perspective, he's going to have a role. And so I think that that's a, an immediate piece to that uh, center of the defensive line. Yeah, yeah, offensively, I mean, I don't know if, if they'd be, you know, be able to put up the type of numbers that would warrant a uh, you know newcomer of the year award, but like a guy like Travis Vokalek or Bryce Benhart, those are two newcomers that I'm really interested in seeing. Uh, defensively, Ty Robinson, uh, along with Jordan Riley. I mean, um, those are two two guys that I'm really really interested. See, to, I thought to it was see. like 2020 guys, like first year players, yeah. freshmen. Yeah, yeah, newcomers on the roster, transfers or newcomers or freshmen. Like okay. first year guys, guys that well, just got guys here. that have not played. red shirts. So so it doesn't matter if they haven't played yet. They right. have to be just stepping foot. 2020 on recruiting class yeah. members. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, because you can win newcomer of the year as a red shirt. <laughs> I know, but that, the, how I answer the question is newcomers like okay. guys. Well, that join you guys the have roster. to you have to tell me what your rules are before <laughs> I answer the question. I think Jordan Riley though is a slam dunk on defense. I mean, otherwise, unless Nico Cooper or Feldarius Payne yeah, I mean, really. Or, you know, jump in and, and, and make an impact. I mean, I would, I would probably put Riley over those two personally. Mm-hmm. But And then Alante Brown's another one. Yeah. I mean, yeah you could probably Brown. pick any one of those receivers that came in. Yeah, they're going to be a guy. They're all going to One of those shot. running backs. Scott. Scott or Scott. Mor- yeah. Hey, Morrison. Morrison has added a lot of. <laughs> he's he's kind of getting overlooked. Too. I don't know yeah, if that's I, fair. And I don't think it is. Um, I like Marvin Scott as much as the next guy, but I'm I still think that Savion Morrison is maybe the more dynamic player. All right. Final question. Best fast food French fry, and I am going to go with Freddy's. That's I, I like those small shoestring fries. That, that's my number one. I don't know my number two would be. Um, you can't do number two. You got to give us a chance to answer. All right. I'm going to go the Runza crinkle fries. Ooh. I don't know what they do, but, you know, it's just a basic crinkle French fry, but it is so good. It is. That, w- that would be my number one. Uh, but since that's off the board, <laughs> I will go with uh, McDonald's does a good French fry. It's consistent. I mean, it is very consistent. I'm, I'm not a huge McDonald's food fan but their french fries are are pretty money now would five guys count as a fast food fresh fry are they more sure, kind of I, like I, a, think so. I think it would because yeah. they they hand cut them there I mean, yeah they are legit. they are and it's like fresh hand cut i mean they yeah. they take the whole potato and cut it right in front There's of you a so. girthy wedge yeah, i'll go is. arby's curly fries too are pretty delicious those are pretty good yeah they sell those at the store do they yeah they, you bake them in your oven huh i'll be dangerous <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that wraps it up for the mailbag. We're going to close on recruiting. Huskers get another commit now up to 14, and they're inside the Rivals.com Top 25. We'll get Nate's thoughts on that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.